Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later on the show, we're going to talk about Russia and Russian propaganda with Aaron Reddish, a history professor at Wayne State University who specializes in Soviet and Russian history. We have heard and talked more about the Russians this campaign cycle than I can remember in recent memory. And we're going to talk about the the WikiLeaks issue with them and the manipulation that uh, the White House thinks the Russians are participating in in terms of the American election. What are we supposed to do about that and how should we fight back? against it. Uh, we'll also get uh, Pat Batchelor, the anchor for Morning Edition here on WDET, into the studio a little later today to talk about sports, postseason baseball, preseason hockey, and of course college football entering the, the important stretch of games that uh, will decide who's going to be on top and who's going to come out behind. But first, I want to wrap up the week's news uh, this week with Bill McGraw, reporter at Bridge Magazine. Bill, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks very much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, of course, this is a uh, this was a big news week, mostly because of the presidential contest. Aren't uh, they all big news weeks? <laughs> I feel like, well, I feel like they have been big news weeks for a long time uh, that we haven't gotten a break uh, in the sense that uh, you know, things just keep happening and, and uh, there are so many twists and turns, especially to the presidential contest. Last week, of course, we saw, I thought, one of the biggest turns ever in a presidential contest when the tape of Donald Trump and Billy Bush was leaked, reported by the Washington Post. Uh, I, I think that changes the, the, the not just the direction of this campaign from now on, but also just changes uh, it, it, it it sort of sets a trajectory for Donald Trump in a way that I think is I, I think it's an unrecoverable error. It's one of those things that uh, you you can't get up off af, off the mat after. Well, and it was of course different than just a re, uh, newspaper outlet reporting on what had happened. The New York Times did quite a comprehensive story a few weeks ago about Donald <clears throat> excuse me Donald Trump's history with women, but. You know, uh, that's not going to be believed by a lot of people who think the Times is basically uh, helping uh, Hillary Clinton sure. get elected, even though they were the first ones to report about her <laughs> email server. Yes. So it's, it's complicated. But anyways, to hear his own words, um, not only did it totally um, sabotage his campaign in many ways, it certainly ignited a huge discussion about sexual assault and gender relations and everything else. It's yeah. quite an amazing it was a week ago this afternoon, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, uh, and of course, Trump's reaction is, of course, interesting, too. He's doubled down uh, <laughs> instead of he's not going after the soccer moms of this election, which are the women in suburban Philadelphia who are constantly talked about and yeah. people like them across the country. He's not trying to reach out and get the people he needs. And I know the election certainly isn't over. It doesn't look like he's going to win. But he doesn't seem to be doing anything to increase the kind of voters that he needs to win. Yeah, I mean, and that's sort of been a theme throughout the campaign, not just the general election, but also the primaries, that, that when something happens to his campaign or some accusation comes out or he's got to respond to something, he antagonizes the issue rather than trying to sort of pivot and say, well, maybe that's true, but but here's another reason that uh, that I'm not that person that you think I am, or here's a reason that I will be a better 
person in the presidency. He seems to go back and say, well, uh, yeah, no, 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 I did that, but but what's the big deal? Well, I, I know your guest yesterday, the psychiatrist, said uh, especially lay people shouldn't be psychoanalyzing Trump from yeah. afar, and yeah. that's true. But any adult can look at him and just think, he's not like many people I know, <laughs> you know, just taking him away from politics. And um, he he, it's almost like, um, you know, People voted for a celebrity. Um, he didn't have any kind of a political track record except for birtherism, really. Yes, yes. And um, so his whole, just his whole being in the presidential election is so different. Uh, in our lifetime, who comes, well, at least in my lifetime, who comes even close? Barry Goldwater, yeah, who was maybe. A, yeah, only, and he's not even close to Trump, but he, he, the, people questioned his sanity when he ran. And of course, they were able to use his. Um, the fact that he would have his trigger on the uh, n- nuclear codes uh, in a very effective ad, the yeah. one that with the little girl the that ran cloud. once, yeah. right? But but yet he was a, a senator for many years, and he was, uh, while very, very conservative, he was a solid member of the political establishment. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And there was never any sort of, um, well, it was a different era. There weren't any sort of um, allegations about a private life that was really outside the norm, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you said uh, just a few minutes ago that this Donald Trump tape and the subsequent stories about assault sort of have started a conversation about uh, about sexual assault, about the way people see and treat and treat women, and I and that reminds me, I guess, of of another sort of uh, reminder of that uh, 20, 25 years ago when Clarence Thomas uh, was being confirmed in the Senate, and Anita Hill came out and said the, what she said about he what he had done. It, it, it this is probably the first time since then that we've seen that kind of reaction or sort of illumination of an issue that I think lurks in the background uh, pretty frequently, but it, it, you know it's absolutely upfront now because of the political campaign. Well, and also it sparked conversations about um, how do men really talk in a locker room and yeah. um, and uh, you know what do men say in private? Uh, you know and also um, I've been surprised to see uh, on TV and on the radio, a lot of women talking about their past as far as uh, not only sexual harassment, but sexual assault. Sexual assault, yeah. yes, yes. And how much more prevalent that is. Or short of incidents. rape. Yes. Uh, serious sexual assault That's short right. of rape. That's right. right. Where women are uh, feel uh, you know, either pressured or physically forced into things that, that they don't want to do. And, and uh, you know, part of the answer for people who were defending Donald Trump this week was, well, this was just talk. He was just being uh, braggadocious. And that's what he said, too. And that's what he said, too. In fact, I mean, I think these stories that we're seeing, and I'm seeing seeing tons on my social media feed from women talking about this stuff, suggest that it's it's not just bragging, that this is something that goes on more often than we think it does. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of men were oblivious to that, too. Not not oblivious to the fact that rape is a serious question, but what goes on with women over the years, especially when they're young. You know, um, another thing about Trump is in the way he's uh, self-sabotaged his campaign— when he he's you know he's talking about suing the New York Times, which is never going to happen, and he's never going to win. But when the Times wrote the letter back to him, they pointed out that libel is all about protecting people's reputation. It's a yes. very important thing. 
And they said, here's a guy who has gone on the radio constantly and talked about um, very crude, um, you know, uh, comments about women, even crude characterizations of his own daughter. And they were saying that, um, you know, basically sue us and we'll let his reputation, we'll let how he's uh, damaged his own reputation in the past. You know, um, one other thing about Trump, though, I think that's that scares now that um, unnerves me is Mm -hmm. that. Again, the election's not over. It doesn't look like he's going to win right now anyways. But I don't think if he loses, he's going to be a good loser. So you he's going to be a really around. bad loser. No, I think I don't know what he's going to want to do <laughs> in the long term. He's going to have, what, 40 million votes even if he sure, loses. Sure. But I think he's going to, he already has hinted about delegitimizing the election. And, and that is the, the, the bigger danger, of course, of his campaign is, is the effect that it has on the body politic uh, going forward. And I think that he's already done a lot of things that have changed the way campaigns will be run in the future, the way people relate to politics and think about it. But certainly the biggest damage he could do would be trying to sort of undermine the finality of what happens on November 8th. That's another thing that um, through our lifetime – Every loser, including Al Gore, who probably didn't lose, was very <laughs> gracious in losing. Right, right. And I, I don't see that happening with him. Yeah. His track record doesn't predict that's going to happen. No, it, it really doesn't. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guest is Bill McGraw, a reporter at Bridge Magazine, longtime free press reporter. We're talking about the week's news. We were just talking about Donald Trump and his really bad, awful, no good week uh, dealing with allegations of sexual assault and uh, really uh, inappropriate uh, dialogue, talk about women. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, talk about what you took away from this week uh, and the reaction to Donald Trump. Uh, Are we about to have a more robust conversation in this country about sexual assault and the sexual assault that women face that maybe men don't really understand, acknowledge, or even know about. Uh, 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook, the WDET page there, or go to Twitter and hashtag us at uh, Detroit Today. Uh, Bill, I want to talk now about uh, the arena, the new arena that we're building here in in I guess it's I guess it's Midtown. I don't know <laughs> the uh, line between downtown and Midtown. Yeah, is really I would say yeah, me. that's a good question. It's, it's uh, certainly it's closer the, to downtown than Midtown. Yeah, probably. I would I would call it the corridor, of course, but because uh, that's what that's what it was. That's right in the middle of the cast corridor. But people get mad at me when I say that because they say it's Midtown. Now, Why don't so. we just call all of the area between the freeways Midtown? <laughs> Midtown, right? Okay, that's good. I, I can work with that. Uh, of course, that that arena is controversial because of. Uh, the, the the massive public subsidy that was that was given to the Illiches to help them build it. And of course, there were things that we expected in return or that the Illiches agreed to do in return in terms of using Detroit businesses to help uh, build the stadium and employing Detroiters. And for the first time this week, we got a look at how they are doing in that regard. Uh, they seem to be doing pretty well with hiring Detroit businesses. They're not in trouble for that. But in terms of hiring Detroiters to actually do the work, uh, they're short of that 51% goal. And they're paying, uh, and it's not the, we should make clear, it's not the Illiches who are paying these fines. It is the 
companies Contract. that they've hired to do this, who the, who are then supposed to go out and hire Detroiters. Um, I, I, I saw you on social media this week talking some about uh, this 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 controversy and uh, the arena. What what do you think about what does this tell us about a uh, you know. The, these projects, uh, which which we have done more of in Detroit in in the last what nineteen years, eighteen years. How about um, going back to the Rensen? The Rensen, uh, right? Forty some uh, years, right? Uh, than than any other city that I can think of. Uh, but but this constant sort of tension between the idea of development and the idea of participation. I mean, we 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 don't seem to be able to get that right, and there are two. Initiatives on the ballot, November eighth, in fact, to try to inculcate some of this stuff into law. Uh, what, what do you think about where we are here? Well, the big project thing has been one of Detroit's alleged saviors over the years. That uh, you know the 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 flight of business and people from Detroit was so extreme, more extreme than any really other big city that. We put a lot of hope in big projects, and certainly the Rensen was an amazing project for the mid-70s. That didn't really work out as a savior. It failed financially itself. Um, is it better for Detroit that it exists? I mean, it's GM's headquarters now, and the hotel is still functioning and everything. So, yeah, but um, I think most economists believe that and have proved with data that big stadiums don't really help resuscitate a city. Yeah. It's a very impressive project, and the Illiches talk about doing, uh, you know, recreating a whole couple different neighborhoods down there. So, um, you know, that you can't, um, is it going to make that area look better than it was before? Yes. Is it going to bring in some more uh, tax dollars? Yes. However, uh, what does it mean for average Detroiters, I think, is really a fair question. Yeah. Because as amazing with what is going on in the midtown, downtown area, new center area, um, it's really remarkable, but it's also really remarkable what's going on in about, you know, four-fifths of Detroit. Yeah. And that is still the city it's is the really opposite. struggling. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, the um, I think, I don't know, I think there's a lot more we could know about uh, the availability of carpenters and millwrights and all that kind of stuff to do that kind of work. There's a lot of, uh, that's it's a, it's a big metropolitan market for yes. those kind of jobs. Yes. And so I think that's one thing. But going back to the um, hockey arena... I think what was really interesting to me is that they signed the deal right in the middle of bankruptcy. And you would think the city would have had some leverage because uh, Mike Illich isn't going to move that arena outside of the downtown area. He's got that right where all of his different things and his wife's casino are. But yet, when they, when they negotiated the deal, they didn't even get as good a deal in some ways as they have at Joe Lewis Arena, right. which which was considered one of the biggest sweetheart deals in Major League Sports in America when it was signed <laughs> in, in 79. At Joe Lewis, the city gets 10% of virtually everything that's sold from the $700 leather jackets to a Coke, to a Coke right. which costs like $20. Right. But anyways, <laughs> um, but yet, so that's revenue to the city, and the city's going to get zero at the new arena uh, from all the things that are sold. Yeah. And I, I guess I didn't really- It's un- a bad deal. I mean, there, there was no other way to characterize it when it happened. Uh, and and the, the frustrating thing, I think, was- that there was nothing anyone seemed to be able to do about it. That that there was no, uh, there was no available pushback to say, well, well, let's let's renegotiate some of those things. Maybe the city ought to get a cut of sales at the arena, or maybe there ought to be harder targets, uh, uh, you know, to 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 make sure that that 
Detroiters participate or benefit from the arena. Or maybe there should be a tax on added on all of the things that, that get sold there that go directly that goes directly to schools. I mean, there are all kinds of things that you could t- imagine or or think about that we could have done that that just there was no vehicle for discussion of those things. And I think bankruptcy clearly took a lot of people's eye off the ball, certainly the media and um, I think citizens in general. But um, I, you know, was it did Kevin Orr sign off on the deal? I don't remember I now. Can't remember, but nonetheless, city officials had to sign off on the deal, and um, there wasn't uh, the same sort of spirit that comes into these measures that are going to be on the ballot about community benefits. Uh, and there's a lot of passion behind that those arguments. That wasn't present when the this big deal with uh, the Red Wings was negotiated yeah. for this kind of amazing new stadium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Bill McGraw, a reporter at Bridge Magazine. We're talking about the week's news. We were talking about Donald Trump and his problems with uh, sexual language and sexual assault. Uh, a big deal this week in the news. Uh, also talking about the new Red Wings arena and uh, the participation of Detroiters in the building of that project. Um, give us a call if you want, 313-577-1019. You want to join the conversation. Talk about what happened in the week's news. Talk about sexual assault and whether we are getting to a space where we can talk more honestly about the things that women face and deal with uh, and that men don't often acknowledge or understand. Uh, let's go to Teresa in Detroit. Hi, I'd like to go back to Donald Trump. Sure, go ahead. He has a real unintended consequences because his that tape has triggered a lot of women who had previous sexual assaults and they were traumatized by it. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard on the radio this morning that the people where they call in are being inundated. They've even had to hire extra people because without, I'm sure, not knowing it, Donald Trump has triggered the prior experiences, and that is a wonderful thing that he has done. Yeah, no, Teresa, that's a really interesting idea, and that gets to what we were talking about here, is is does it does it lead to, even though it was a, a negative thing that he said and did, does it lead to a more positive discussion about the things that actually go on, and the fact that, that men often don't understand or know about them, but but I, I absolutely appreciate uh, your call there. Uh, let's go to Mike in West Bloomfield. Mike, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh. Uh, in, re- in response to the previous caller, so we're, we're giving credit on unfounded allegations against Trump because NPR is, is violently biased against him. Why don't we talk about the thousands of emails, the WikiLeaks, also, you know, not proven true, the uh, video of President Obama allegedly with an erection that women ran away from. Why aren't we talking about these things? Well, what do you want to talk about in the emails, Mike? I mean, there's 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 thousands. It should it should you well, know. Give me an example. What's the most important yeah. email that you see that came out of the WikiLeaks dump? The most important email for sure is how every donor is giving the Clinton Foundation millions of dollars. And the tone of the emails back and forth, and then they get meetings with the Secretary of State or other people in power. The results don't matter. Getting the meeting is what matters. Yeah, that's interesting. So you think feel like they're selling access is what you're saying? Of course they're selling access. Okay. Well, uh, 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 do you feel like that out sh- overshadows 
sexual assault, talking about sexual assault, women saying they were sexually assaulted by, by Donald Trump. And when a star says, because I'm so powerful, because I'm a star, obviously implicitly uh, uh, saying that the women want something for me, so they allow me to do this. That's what he said. They allow me to do this. Not sexual. So you read, he said he, you read he, consent. He said he does it, that. too. Yeah. He said he does it. He, he said they allow me to do it. Read the quote. Yeah. Read well, the quote on the air. Mike, that's a pretty that's a pretty tough position to take. I would not want to, uh, if I were you, I wouldn't. I'm not sure I would say that to the women in my life. But uh, I appreciate the call, and I appreciate the, uh, the comments. Let's go to Alan in Detroit. Alan, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Um, my point is that the Republicans have been trying to rig the elections by suppressing the vote and making it difficult to vote. And this is a uh, an effort that's been going on since at least 2010. Uh, you know, it's just, it's longstanding. Uh, I mean, you know, and it, right now uh, there have been many cases in in federal courts where the you know states where state attorney generals have lost yeah. in these states that are doing that have passed these restrictive voter registration laws and you know by voter identification laws. Sure. Uh, and look here in Michigan, where the legislature is doing its best to make it people make it so people cannot vote the way they want yeah. by restricting the um, the uh, straight ticket voting. Right. Uh, we should, you know, have our election on a Sunday or a national holiday right. to make I think, it easy yeah. for people. I to think vote. it should be a national. But the Republicans holiday. are just across the board against anything like that. Yeah, I mean that's one of the problems that the party has clearly. But this is a much bigger issue than the emails in my opinion. I no you know, due respect to your uh, previous caller. Mm-hmm. But a much bigger issue than than um emails. Yeah, I mean which, the emails, you know, which, I mean have never really been shown anything, you know, that yeah. they really may had any effect. Yeah. Um Except access, which is the name of the game in Washington. Right. No, Alan, um, thank you very much uh, for the call. Uh, let's go to Gene in Detroit. Gene, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Hey, Gene. Ah, uh, good morning, Stephen. How are you? Uh, that's a long story, but thanks for asking. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> go ahead. I'd like to ask how much money from the state school aid fund goes to subsidize economic development projects in the tax increment finance area known as the DDA. How much? Uh, boy, Gene, you're asking us to do <laughs> some, some mathematical gymnastics there. I mean, there's, there, there is no question that there is some relationship between uh, uh, school funds and these, these TIF districts and and that came out during the negotiations about the subsidy for the Red Wings arena is that right Bill? yeah but also I think the state replaces the school money They're if I'm not mistaken to, yes. yeah so that in a sense I think it's that like means that taxpayers all across Michigan are helping to build the arena right right uh, I mean it's a it's a way to say that I'm trying to think of the right language it's a vehicle it's a finance vehicle for the subsidies. I'm not sure that it takes uh, from the school aid fund in a way that that is, uh, you know, uh, not... That hurts not, the schools. Not not recompensed in some way. Uh, but, but I think the bigger question, again, Gene, that I raised earlier is why not use 
these arenas and the revenue that they bring in uh, to the city to try to to try to bolster schools or or whatever you know whatever service you want to pick in the city. Think of the things that we could do with a you know a two dollar tax on every every ticket or a fifty cent tax on parking or I mean there are all these things that that uh, that are economic activity that are associated with these arenas that we don't leverage for the services that that really matter to people who live here. So, but Gene, as always, uh, great to hear from you. I appreciate the call. Um, let's take one more call here, Cedric and Ipsy. Cedric, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how are you? So, pretty good. So, I wanted to make a comment. Um, so, or and pose a question: Is it true that the land um, for the new arena was donated to um, Mr. Pizza Guy? And <laughs> um, is if that's true, why aren't you know in the shadow of? bankruptcy why did the city do that and then isn't it true that um the uh, maybe he had extra land and that he donated land to wayne state university in order to build a um a new business school in his name like why are we doing these things uh, yeah well uh, the, so the business school is a very different uh, project and that he's donating money, money to, to Wayne State University to do that. I don't know if that's building, being built on Illich land or not. Um, uh, I don't know either. And yeah. I, I know that, um, you know, the I don't know if the city donated land for the arena. I know the Illich organization has been buying land in that area for many years and yeah. they own a lot of land. There's no doubt about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, they own a lot of land around there and, and they've, you know, in my opinion, they've sat on a lot of it waiting for it to to sort of depreciate to the point where, uh, you know, um, th- there was an opportunity to do something with it. But, uh, but, but again, Cedric, uh, sorry that we cannot specifically answer your question, but uh, I, I do appreciate the call. Uh, before I let you go, Bill McGraw, since we're talking about Red Wings in the new arena, I want to tell a quick story. Um, back in 1995, I think it was, when the Red Wings were – in the playoffs playing the New Jersey Devils. Um, and I think it was the Stanley Cup Finals. And they lost that And one. they lost. Yeah. And- uh, I, I volunteered. I was a young reporter at the Free Press. I volunteered to to go cover, you know, uh, the sort of random stories down around the arena just so I could get in and, and, and be part of it. I was writing stories about scalpers, I think. Uh, but but I ran into you uh, because you were also working at the Freep then and, and you were down there and you took me down into the tunnels of the of the Joe and introduced me to Gordy Howe. Uh, which was the only time I met him, and it was something that left a real impression on me. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, this being the first season of the Red Wings without him being with us, and the last season at the Joe, I figured. And with the uh, Gordy Howe International Bridge the, being in the news, right, that's right. They named the bridge after him. So, I thought that would be a nice story to end our our time together today. Thank, <laughs> thanks for reminding me. <laughs> you probably don't even remember. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, Bill. <laughs> It meant something to me. <laughs> All right. Bill McGraw, reporter with Bridge Magazine. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about the complex relationship between WikiLeaks, Russia, and Trump. Stay with us on Detroit Today.